Hi, this is Jeff Siegel, and welcome to another Advocate Magazine podcast. Today, our guests are Rudy Bush, the City Hall reporter for the Dallas Morning News, Rick Wamry, the Advocate publisher, and we're going to talk about the Dallas City budget, we're going to talk about the budget process, and we're going to talk about how the City Council is going to reconcile what is easily the worst budget uh, disaster in the 20-some-odd years that uh, Rick and I have been in Dallas. Rudy, thank you very much for joining us. Thanks for having me. And I guess the first question to you is that everybody wants to know, is the only way out of this budget mess with a tax increase, and will we see one? Well, I think what's interesting about this year is that a tax increase is not a way out of the budget mess. The, the mess is so big that it's eclipsed uh, raising taxes. You, you couldn't raise it high enough to cover the problems that City Hall has without having to take the the tax increase to an election because there's a trigger point. Uh, people would clearly not vote to raise their own taxes. So you're left with this situation where maybe there's a one or two cent uh, tax hike that, that you could even play with as something to talk about politically. That just doesn't add up to enough dollars to cover the deep hole that the city's in. So in other words, and I find this very hard to believe, but this mess is so bad, this budget is such a disaster that we can't even raise taxes enough to fix it? You can't raise taxes enough to, to fix it. To, to put it in perspective, the, the highest the gap has been between revenues, anticipated tax revenues, and the cost of running the government at the same level it's at right now was $131 million. So we call that the deficit. Uh, the city management doesn't care for that term, but that's that's what, that's our shorthand for it. Uh, a tax increase of a penny will raise you less than eight million dollars. So it's 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 spooning, you know, it's it's trying to bail with a teaspoon. Gotcha, gotcha. So the next question then is, we're going to have to go with even more draconian cuts than last year, and the city manager has announced many of them. Uh, mandatory furloughs for police and firefighters, permanent closures until there's money to be found for rec centers. Uh, how did we get in this place? I mean, I, and I'm, I have an agenda here, and I don't mind saying it. I'm tired of hearing that it's the economy's fault. Well, I, look, I think you are. You do have to credit or blame the global recession for the fact that uh, property values and uh, people's ability to consume at the level that they had been consuming has been negatively impacted. So that's led to a collapse in, in revenue uh, that the city depended on. Now, I think the flip side of that, and maybe what you're getting at, is you, you have a city government that had grown to a point that it had a lot of what some people might say are bells and whistles. You had services for seniors. You had dental services. You had uh, uh, pools spread spread all across the city. Nice things to have, good things for people who need them, but expensive things to maintain uh, through uh, thin years. And those are the things that you're seeing stripped out now. Uh, and, and you're left with a government, I think, that's trying to provide core services. I mean, you're down there every day, Rudy. At least as I recall, and from what I can tell, only Ann Margolin and Angela Hunt at least at last year, were really ones raising the flag about how much money was being spent last year. I mean, is anybody else on the council actively trying to figure out ways to cut costs, or are they waiting for Mary Sue to figure it out? Or I, I think a lot of it is on Mary Sue's shoulders to 
bring, and that's her job, to, to bring them a budget that comes in at the revenue that the city uh, anticipates having. Uh, and that, uh, it's up to Mary really to say, we're going to take this out, we're going to take this out, which is nice for a politician because you don't have to be in the position of removing anything. But that said, there there's a good deal of appetite on the council, a majority of the council, I would say, led by the mayor, who want to see city halls, uh, the size of city hall, the cost of city hall shrink versus trying to find ways of expanding revenue that involves dipping into taxpayers' pockets. And that's where the let's sell Fair Park or let's... Yeah, the, 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 the Fair Park uh, idea and the farmer's market idea are born uh, in part from what they see as major success of turning operations of the zoo over to the Dallas Zoological Society and then subsidizing their operation of the zoo. And that's con- widely considered a success. And, and I think, in fairness, it has been a success. Numbers are up there. This, the city did open the new uh, Savannah exhibit. So the thought is, can we duplicate that success uh, with some of the other city assets? I, I think there are fair questions whether that can be done. Uh, but that's where those ideas are coming from. I'm... And once again, I, it, I honestly am trying to understand how this process has been working over the last couple of three years, but reducing the size of City Hall doesn't have anything to do with not having enough police, not having enough firefighters on the street. The thing about the furloughs that I'm baffled by is that we hear from the mayor that this has to be a good city for business, this has to be a good city with low taxes. But if we don't have enough police on the streets, who's going to want to live here? Yeah, it's a key question. And I think Mary Soom has focused, and and when you hear her speak out in the community, she'll say, our our core job is public safety. And I don't think there's a person in Dallas who would disagree with that, that if it's not safe, neighborhoods that are trending back are going to wash in the other direction. And so you've got a situation now where not only are you – likely to furlough police officers. Uh, they're going to be asked to take overtime in comp days, not in pay. That's well, <laughs> as, as three former, as one newspaper man, <laughs> two former newspaper men, there are comp days that I know we'll never see. Yeah. So, uh, and all this is still in the process of negotiation with the, the police and, and fire unions. Um, they're going to slow down their hiring of new police officers. In fact, they're going to probably... Uh, not even higher over attrition, which means that they won't replace every officer that retires. So the actual number of officers is going to start falling again. The actual number of officers will fall. I think I would say probably in the range of maybe 70, something like that. I mean, how, how big of an impact is that going to have on the city, do you think? I mean, I'm, I'm kind of one of the guys who believes that we, we spent a lot of money hiring more cops and crime went down and those are connected. I think it depends really on how it's all administrated. There are probably enough police officers to cover the work that that needs to be covered on a temporary basis uh, if it's administered correctly. If it's if it's not, and and shifts are not, I don't really know quite the right way to put it. But if everything's not getting done that was being done, that's that's a big problem. Uh, and I I think that's not their intention is to have the cop on the beat, not on the beat for a day. Well, it'll be interesting to see how that works out. 
given that two years ago, one of the mayor's campaign, or excuse me, three and a half years ago, one of the mayor's campaign promises was to add 200 additional police. Mm -hmm. And now what you're talking about is we will be probably, by the time we're done with these couple of years of budget cuts, we may well be back uh, to the original number, if not not below it. Well, I don't. I don't think it, that will be the case unless things really extend out a long period of time, and and they have to keep coming back to these cuts. Because remember, the force has grown substantially by, uh, and I don't know the number off the top of my head, by certainly several hundred officers. Right. Uh, what the city will tell you, and you can take this as spin, or you can take it as uh, as a, a good point of view, that. The, the force has gotten very green. There are a lot of young officers, and I, I think if you look at the breakdown, it, it's true. And they'll say, well, this is really a good time to take a break and let these guys uh, season up a little bit. <laughs> maybe, maybe not. Uh, I think they, most people say. in Dallas would say, just get us more cops and guys with guns and badges on the streets. That's, uh, that's what you always say about a bad baseball team. <laughs> we have rookies, but as soon as they play for a couple of years, we'll get better. And if you don't have any talent to begin with, you're still a bad team in but, two years. But here's the, here's the thing. The police and fire departments make up 60% of the general fund cost to the city of Dallas. So when you're looking at, let's call it $600 million of a billion-dollar uh, budget, just to use round figures, well, if you've got a $130 million budget gap, and you've only got $400 million to play with out of your parks and your libraries and your streets and your code compliance and all these other things, you just can't, you can't do it. Well, I'm not, I'm not disagreeing. Yeah. I know Rick and I aren't disagreeing with you. In fact, no, I'm just, I'm playing devil's advocate for that. Well, well, between that and then the debt service, that accounts for yeah. a chunk of it too. I mean, we've kind of put ourselves in a box, I think, from the standpoint of we've committed to a lot of big projects. Yeah. And, you know, now we don't have as much money, we're going to have to pay for it, and that's just the way it's going to be. And I, I guess my question would be, how acrimonious do you think the budget debate is going to be? I think the tax debate is going to be um, really difficult. There are a lot of people on the council, Steve Salazar, Tanel Atkins, uh, and Carolyn Davis, you're going to see them come largely from, from south of the river, who want to see some tax increase to uh, keep open what are more critical services in, in their neighborhoods, I think, than in other parts of the city of Dallas. Uh, so when they're looking for that $7 million or $8 million from a penny or even $16 million from two pennies, they, that, that money they see is direct money to keep open rec centers where kids go after school because mom or dad or mom and dad are at work uh, and libraries where a lot of kids get their books because they can't go to Barnes & Noble and buy a book or Amazon.com. All right, so we endured last year. We'll somehow manage this year's budget cuts. Have we reached bottom? Uh, and what does the city think, and does this is that, in your view, realistic? Because I'm assuming, from what I've read and talked to people, that we think we've reached bottom. Well, I, you know, if I could answer that definitively, I'd probably be something other than a newspaper <laughs> reporter. Um, the city thinks we've hit bottom, and, and I say that because they've enhanced their sales tax projections for, for the remainder of the year. They've, they're assuming that they're going to get about $3.5 million more than they had projected um, prior to that. And next year, they're projecting a flat rate. So I guess if you're projecting a flat rate, that's the bottom, right? Um, 
but if you talk to Mary Sue or you talk to people at City Hall, they'll say, well, who knows, maybe we're just on a shelf and we've got a lot farther down to go. What's interesting uh, in terms of projecting revenue, and we're not even, I don't even want to get into that science because it can't, I, it can't be done, and even I would criticize really bad projections because I think they're more political than accurate. We're also looking at what property taxes are going to mm-hmm. do, which is what is it, fifty-seven, fifty-five percent of the of the of the operating budget? I think it's I think it's forty-eight okay. percent, uh, but I could be wrong. No, on that's that. it's somewhere around it's somewhere around a half. We've been talking in in this, and it strikes me that we pay a lot of attention to the sales tax because you can do a chart on it, right. and it's nifty, and it's you can measure it every month. The bigger question is what's going to happen to property tax values. And I just know here at The Advocate, we actually have gotten emails and we've gotten phone calls from people who want to, because we run a lot of real estate statistics, who want to know their real estate statistics so they can go and appeal yeah. their rate, their their uh, their assessment, because they don't think their house is worth so much. And I'm wondering, is that actually the, is that is that the problem we're not paying enough attention to? Yeah, maybe sales tax receipts will come up, but it may take two, three, four years for real estate taxes. That's, I think you're exactly right. And if you look at how government revenues come in, they're always going to be a step or two behind uh, the, the private sector economy. And uh, property values are going to be, I think, the last thing to return to where they were to stabilize. So, yeah, this is probably not going to be the last year of trouble for Dallas. Now, that said, if you if you trim the size of City Hall to a point where it's it's it comes into more or less balance with where your current revenues are, and then your revenues stabilize. Well, next year maybe you don't have the same painful situation, but you're left with the pain of the past. Yeah. We're left with closed rec centers and libraries and, right. and police and fire uh, taking comp dates, which is, you know, I don't think that's a really good selling point in terms of trying to recruit right. good people. And I think all of these things create new costs in the future. So there's nothing that you do now that you're not going to have to restore in some form or fashion in coming years. So, you know, how how long can you put off repairing the streets? and? How long do you keep three floors of the main library closed almost the entire week? Right. Okay, well, let's ask, let me, let, real quickly, because this uh, affects what we're talking about here. We're going to, it looks like we're going to have a wet, dry election in November. Uh, real quickly, two things, and we'll ignore for a moment the political sales tax part of it, mm-hmm. because I think from what we've just discussed, We'd have to get $100 million in sales tax increase from the wet-dry election to make a difference. Uh, will it pass? What do you think? And let me just real quick for people who are listening, there'll be uh, two issues on the ballot, one of which is to allow beer and wine sales, beer and wine retail sales in currently dry areas of Dallas, and the other is to eliminate uh, private clubs so that every restaurant uh, can sell beer, wine, and spirits. Uh, this is uh, handicapping. This is, is a little bit tough. Yeah, sort of just going off the top of my head, I think it would pass. Um, that said, and it's sort of an obvious thing to say about any election, it depends on what voters get out. Um, there's going to be a substantial number of voters uh, out of churches in the southern sector, just like every time there is. And I don't think you can discount that there will be some voters 
lot of churches in the uh, in Northern Dallas that will come out and vote against this. Uh, but I think you're going to see uh, a well-funded, highly organized campaign in favor of the referendums, and you're going to see a lot of voters who live in uh, dry areas uh, in Oak Cliff and in, in uh, gentrifying areas like that who are just enough is enough. They want to be able to go around the corner and get a six-pack of beer or a bottle of wine. Uh, they don't want to have to get on Central Expressway and drive to Central right. Market. So it, it just depends on who, who organizes and who gets a vote out. I, I don't know how close it'll be. I would I would be hesitant to go on the record, but I don't I don't I don't know that it'll be a, a slam dunk either way. Yeah, that's kind of that's kind of our feeling on too, isn't it, Rick? Or you're, you're actually kind of think I, it's going to be. I think it's going to win fairly handily myself. I mean, I know there's opposition out there, but I don't think it's. I, I would be pro- probably more along the 60-40 range. Yeah, I think. Uh, I think to me the the biggest potential risk for the guys support the what is it Dallas Progress or whatever they're calling themselves is that the numbers they're coming up with are so high in terms of the benefits that they might actually back themselves into a corner mm-hmm. of having to defend the numbers as opposed to just focus on the issue of hey have for what is it a two thirds of the city's wet already a third of the city's wet, wet two thirds is not. I mean, rather than just focusing on the convenience of, of what they're offering or what the election would offer, they'll get caught talking about the numbers and trying to defend numbers that are kind of hard to defend, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. I agree that it's going to be a benefit. I just don't think it's $3 billion or whatever. <laughs> it's th- I mean, it's just, the numbers are so crazy. I, I, just, I just think they're getting carried away with the wrong thing. It's worth mentioning that there is an ongoing legal challenge to the petitioning. Uh, I don't know where that's going to go. A, a, a federal judge has asked for a response for the city, um, Andy Siegel, the lawyer leading that challenge, is a very capable attorney. He's fought on both sides of a lot of these things. So uh, I, I'm not putting aside, or I'm not assuming that uh, he'll be unsuccessful. No, that's a good point. I need to get my disclaimer in here now. Uh, I am not related to Andy Siegel, <laughs> and I am not related to the Siegel Liquor Store channel. I just want to get that out. And neither right? is Andy Siegel. And neither is Andy, yeah. <laughs> Poor Andy, Channel 5 said he was related to them. That was oh, terrible. Yeah. I didn't see that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, that's a good point, although the people I've talked to mm-hmm. think that the legal challenge is not going to work. Yeah, I think generally that's the way it works out, but it's worth mentioning that it's out there, and uh, uh, we'll see what happens. Okay. Well, listen, Rudy, I think uh, appreciate you taking your time. Uh, Rick, thank you very much. This is Jeff Siegel. You've been listening to Advocate Radio, where it's all about the neighborhood.